Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for Seminole Headlines, featuring Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron, Managing Editor Ira Chauffel, and Senior Writer Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, Pistols and Pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. Hour number two, Headliner Questions forthcoming. We'll get there in a moment. It is Seminole Headlines, kind of, a little bit different. Uh, we are hoping Corey Clark feels better. He fell ill today, stomach ache, and not here. Tom Lang filling in. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, so a little Jeff Cameron show slash some little headlines edition. I run myself always here, of course. Uh, but Corey is out today. Hey, thanks to Virtual Orthodontics. Real quick before I forget, uh, I can never forget uh, they're omnipresent in my life as <laughs> one goes from braces and the other goes into them. So there we go. It's it's happening. <laughs> yeah, Bert, Dr. Burt never takes a week off. Never takes a week off. No, nope. unlike Corey Clark and uh, you. If you or your kids or anybody you know needs any orthodontic work. Uh, they also, I mean, they, you know, any any problems you have, I think Dr. Birch will just kind of answer your life problems. She'll give you football expertise. I got a expertise. light. It's one of these motion sensors on the side of my house. It does not work the way it was advertised to work. Do you think I could bring that oh, up to yeah. her the next time I she, go to She'd fix it for you. Did you buy it from the ACC network? <laughs> Nicely done. No? No, it's not a paranoid motion detector purchase. Uh, which is what they sell on the ACC network. But uh, the website is birchorthodontics.com, and uh, they will uh, do free consultations, payment plans, great customer service, great orthodontic work. We cannot recommend them highly enough. That's why my kids went there, your kids went there. Yeah. And if Corey ever has a a kid in Tallahassee, he's got one in Atlanta. He's not making the trip to go to Birch. Well, he may have one in Tallahassee. We don't know know. about – I don't know. I don't want to expose the man, but I'm just saying (laughs) – yeah, yeah, no, he's, he definitely has one in Atlanta that we're aware of. Exactly. Uh, Sean writes, we'll kick it off with a Facebook question, Ira. It's all right. I'll come back to Twitter in just a second. Is it my job to push for Facebook questions if I'm really filling in for no, Corey? No, you should just stay silent as yeah, I push for Twitter. As okay. he pushes for Twitter. <laughs> uh, the baseball team's RPI is 11. Discuss. That is something. You know, Corey mentioned in his column, I think on Monday, that uh, – you know, their RPI was up to nine or 10, somewhere in that ballpark. And could they be a top eight national seed? That seems ludicrous, but I don't know. I mean, RPI is a big factor. It is a huge factor. But man, it's hard to believe that this baseball team after this season could be a top eight national seed. I just learned a long time ago, whether they're in the midst of an incredible run of success or the depths of failure, seven out of eight losses, whatever it might be, really hideous performances that you cannot just go all in on the they're terrible or they're really good. Because the last five years have told us they can be both simultaneously. They can play that way in a given weekend or a given week. They can show the worst aspects of what they are. 
Collectively, they can come back the following week against elite competition and dominate. The pitching is there to do that. Parker Messick is legit a beast. And if that kid pitches like he did the other night against TCU and like he has for much of this season, you're going to have a leg up in any series that you play. So, you know, it's a matter of – and now it gets different when you get into the postseason. It gets different when you get out to Omaha for sure. But in a series, you're going to have an advantage over almost everybody. From a big-picture standpoint, hosting a regional would be a nice step in the right direction. Making it to a super regional would be just a nice – it would be a a kind of a stabilizing season for what's been a tough start to Mike Martin Jr.'s tenure because of COVID and just because of changing – Well, he had to flip the roster. Flipping a roster and all that goes along with that. Um, So, you know, focus on that. Can you host a regional – Get into a super regional and see what happens at that point. And you like your chances, like you said, with that starting pitching uh, to give them a chance. So that would be whether or not they're a top eight national seed that seems lofty, just getting to host a regional and making it to supers would be a, a really good positive step. If it was up to D1 baseball, they'd send Florida State to Alaska. Yeah. D1 baseball does no not respect. believe in this team yeah. at all. But I think that's kind of a overreaction to like, I think last year, I think they may have had them too high from yeah. what I remember. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes you kind of overcorrect the other way, but you're right. Yeah, they have not had them. College baseball is the weirdest of the sports when it in regards to rankings. Um, like, I only look at the RPI because that seems to be the most consistent evaluator. But when you get into Baseball America, D1 Baseball, or any of the other ranking outlets, it's like it's so disparate. Somebody could be 7 in one poll and 28th in another poll. I, and I, I love the fact that people still list collegiate baseball because collegiate baseball was always part of it. Yeah. And it's like a magazine that I think like one guy puts out and might have 200 subscribers at this point. <laughs> but people, he's still putting out his rankings. He still got them. <laughs> so, the guys, hey, man. God bless that gentleman. I remember the days, uh, Club Publix, Pensacola Street, the old school one for those of us at school. You'd go in there, it was a sight to behold. It but was. That, but that it parking, sure was. Yes, it was. <laughs> but that parking lot was also where the newspaper stands were off to the right side over towards the Wendy's across the mm-hmm. street on Ocala. If you know right where that was, you could get Baseball America there. You could you could get that. You could get a USA Today. You could get, uh, obviously, a Tallahassee Democrat. And you could get, there were like five other newspapers you could get right there. I was one of those guys. I'd go over. I'd park my car. I'd pull out like $5 and change, just feeding quarters to all of those to bring in the uh, publications. Yeah. And Baseball America was one of them. I loved it. It has uh, changed. That that market has changed dramatically. And, you know, really, college baseball as a whole, D1 baseball has been, I'm surprised, to be honest, the success they've had. Because I there was a yeah. point with college baseball where I was, when I heard that that was coming out and they were going to have a subscription model, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm, I don't know how much I'd invest in that. Those are the rankings that the NCAA uses, too, when they put it out on Twitter. It's like, according yeah. to D1 baseball. So they, they got in bed with they've the NCAA. They've got some juice. Yeah. And uh, Florida State is not getting a lot of respect. Okay, so uh, T Money writes Twitter question, uh, serious question: Who's going to set the guardrails and rules for NIL and transfers? It seems to be ruining college football. Is it a special committee? And when are they planning to roll something out? Longtime supporter of FSU athletics and alumni, but quickly being turned off by all of this nonsense. So, what I'll say about T Money's question is: There is a sense, I think, for a lot of people that it is just out of control, and there doesn't seem to be an end to any of this, and it's resembling professional sports more and more. And regardless of where you stand on what, how long ago players should have started getting paid more, and 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 or whether you think they should never be paid, or whatever, wherever you are on the extremes. The bottom line is it is resembling professional sports more and more. 
And a college fan, a fan specifically of college sports, saw a real line of delineation between pro sports and college sports for the longest time. Well, they may have had their head in the sand in a lot of aspects, but they certainly saw a line of delineation. And now I begin to think that they don't see that as much. And I think in the case of college football, it's going to hurt the sport. Well, and then you get into the area of if if they were to become employees, because what people want is they the guardrails they're talking about. You're, a lot of times you're talking about salary caps, collective bargaining, those. Yeah. Th- and if you talk about being employees, now you talk about an 18 year old young person sign or 17 or 18 year old person signing with a college, maybe getting an injury during their freshman year and getting fired. Because that, I mean, if you're an employee, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not, you're not, not producing. a four-year guaranteed you contract. Yeah. And there's, or if you're just not what we thought you were going to be, you just get fired. And, and we could say what we, we talk about processing players in college sports right now. That's not they're, not, they're not pushing anybody out who doesn't agree to leave. In general, when guys are leaving, it's either because they got into trouble or they want to play and they're not going to play at this school. The coaches at, at the Division One level of football anymore are not going to players and saying, you have to leave. We're cutting you. That doesn't really happen. But when you become employees, that definitely does happen. So there's another side to that. Well, and every day there's another line that has stepped across. So I brought it up yesterday in that video, the aforementioned video we did on this very subject. I think what rubbed people the wrong way with the situation at Pitt and Addison is that the running back at Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs, put his name in the portal. He said, I want out. I want to leave. I want to, and I'm putting my name in the portal. I'm at Georgia Tech. This isn't working out. I'd like to go. He knew he'd have suitors. Just so happens that Alabama jumped on it, so he goes from Georgia Tech to Alabama. People are all right with that, I think. I think we're already getting used to that idea. You're like, okay, well, I mean, a kid can do that. It's a one-time transfer thing. I get it. All right. But Jordan Addison hadn't put his name in the portal, and they were actively, through the press, negotiating the price. Like, Southern Cal put it out there, and so did other schools. Kentucky, I mean, it's pretty specific that a dollar amount came out from Kentucky at eight hundred thousand. I mean, well, and, and that's then, problematic on a much smaller level. The Louisville wide receiver who went through spring practice, they've got a quarterback coming back. It's not Pitt's situation is a little bit different, also yeah, because they get left to go to the NFL. yeah. They've got questions about that offense. But still, put your name in the port. No, I got you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, I'm with. You. I'm not arguing with you. Yeah. I'm just saying. But the Louisville case to me is even more dramatic. It's not as high profile, but because they have a quarterback coming back, they've got an offense. Most almost their offense is coming back. They've got an offense where he's had success. He went through spring practice, then jumps in the portal and commits to Alabama. I mean, we, he just knew that Alabama wanted. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. No, they like, were contact. Yeah. That's been that's that part of it. I guess you're right. Is is the most concerning part. But I I don't know. I that's that. It is interesting to see like what what are the what are the reasons everybody's mad? Is it is it just because a guy might get three million dollars in college, or is it because you're getting the haves and haves nots more spread than they've ever been? If they're mad about the three million dollars in college, that's where I, I just say you've had your head in the sand right. because this, we've lived in a system where everybody gets paid ridiculous amounts of money except for the players, right? Right. So that's like with with Nick Saban years ago. I remember Lebertard saying with his salary he could play. He could take a million out and pay every player. Well, he could pay everybody fifty grand, everybody on scholarship, and still make four million for the yeah. season. Like that's just absurd. So we're getting to a better place in that regard, but my question would be if you're mad about how crazy it's getting and you know there's no due process here, there's no process that universities are following, is what would the deterrent be? Like, What is going to be the deterrent to USC 
that they're that they can't do what they're doing or the next. Well, there, there isn't one, and that's why people are concerned. That's, yes, you need an organization to say, well, we're going to take scholars or, or roster spots. Just call them roster spots. Don't even call them scholarships anymore. You can't sign is eighty five players. You can only sign seventy five. Whatever it is, but that needs to be the penalty because short of that, if it's a money issue, they'll pay the fine. They don't care. Well, right. I think the concern is that, again, there is no regulatory body. There isn't anybody uh, that has set up uh, a set of rules that every university is adhering to. We don't have that. It's one school decides we're going to go all in on anything we want and make it happen. Another is like, well, you know, allegedly these can't be inducements. Well, I mean, who the hell are we kidding? Well, and then the fear is, and and I think the underlying fear— that is probably magnified in a program like Florida State, right. where there are some limited resources compared to some of these other programs. The fear is that even if you get those players, even if you get to a point, maybe these guys have evaluated so well and they've recruited so well, and they've got like Julian Armella and Azaria Thomas and Sam McCall and some of these really talented young players. They're going to get plucked. You're not going to be able to keep them. And that that would be such a kick in the that it's just hard to even get excited because you're not you you at least could look forward to oh man that kid's gonna be awesome in a year yeah, or two yeah. years yeah we'll get see the development curve just in time for somebody else to come take him away it's like the Pittsburgh Pirates you root for a player you recognize oh, yeah. he's coming up he's gonna be great and soon he'll be a Yankee but you're still a fan though right I, I'm a sucker though. so don't I'm a sucker but but don't we think that college football fans will adapt. And, and oh, I think it. in a lot of aspects they will, but some of these will probably be a bridge too far. If they do not have a czar of college football or somebody regular, I do. But first of all, I think that's going to be a moot point because I think the breakaway is going to happen, and it is going to be a separate set of rules. And if it's not your cup of tea, because pro football already exists and it's done better, then you could watch, you know, Marshall play Furman, and those will be two schools that aren't participating right. in that sham and you'll go back to a scholarship being a scholarship and those rules being in place that maybe the NCAA can govern and, and, and watch over. I think the breakaway is coming too but the problem in the interim like I was talking about is our fan base here thinks we're the Yankees but we're going to have to be the Rays you know where it's you have to do a lot more with less in terms of resources and or getting used to the idea that dudes are going to get plucked the moment that they're good. Now I think they'll be able to retain some guys but certainly not all well, of them. In the old world Florida State was the Yankees but Things have changed. Yeah. Well, and that's a world I don't want to live in. <laughs> I don't like this world where we're. Stay with us. I don't like the world where we're the pirates. This is not a. F- I've already existed in that world for my whole life. <laughs> it's not a fun world. You lose 100 games every year. It sucks. You lose to Jacksonville State in this world. It's not a good world. Seminole Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Ho, 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 horizons. It took, Bar and grill. It took all the strength I had not to interrupt you, turn off your mic, and go home. Do you like how I closed my eyes when I sang? Too? Oh, believe me, that was the best part. I didn't look at it, thankfully. It was unbelievable. He looked like like Al Jarreau or something. <laughs> <laughs> like Luther Vandross. Well, he was reference. making sure it was there. I want to apologize to Horizon Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, their delicious food uh, should not be overlooked by Corey's singing. Man, that's a great jingle game. the restaurant itself. Uh, but Horizons Bar and Grill is where, Ira? Bannerman Crossing. You're damn right North it is. East Tallahassee Ooh. off Thomasville Road and Bannerman Road. It's, uh, man, it's just it's incredible food, incredible people, incredible beers. It's spirits. where we are a lot. We're, hey, before a, the end of the group. week, fellas, uh, any week. Like, you could be listening to this six weeks from yeah. now. Let's let's all get together at Horizons Bar and Grill. We're there a lot. We really are. So if you want to see this in person, this trio <laughs> in person. Never mind the food. You get to see the three of us. But, yeah, the food and the, the drinks, the, the patio, it's all good, man. It's all working. If it's you, all working at And Horizons. if you sing the theme song, they'll give you some free food, I think. I think you get the bill is paid for if you sing the song. But we, you have to sing it like I do. 
with, and tell them Corey sent with you. a bar tab. Yes, it's amazing. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's growing. They're yes. so kind. Seminal Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. All right, let's knock it out. Let's get to a bunch of questions here, back to back to back. Uh, how do you boys cook bacon, writes Nate. Uh, are you, and this is for the family, are you putting a few slices on at a time in the same frying pan? Or are you getting the sheet pan out? Covering with foil and sliding it into the oven. Lots of pros and cons to both. Please discuss. Well, Ira's nodding his head, so I want to hear his <laughs> rationale here. Ira, what, what, what are you doing? You're doing the sheet pan? Love some bacon. But yeah, we do the sheet. It's funny. My whole life growing up, we always did the frying pan. Mm-hmm. But Kim uh, introduced me to the uh, the sheet she- in the oven. Yeah. What, what, why is that better? I don't know if it's better. Just it's easier, and it's it's easier to keep clean. Yeah. You know, frying yeah, yeah. On, the, on the grill or on the uh, stovetop gets a little messy. It does. Um. But, dude, I will, in a pinch, mouth throw them in the microwave. Oh, which is the worst. don't admit to that. <laughs> oh, we're all recoiling will, in I, here. I will, on occasion, throw them in That's the microwave. sheer desperation. Dude, I'll throw a hot dog in the microwave if I have Ooh, to. No. Man. Can we this, in, this, this, stop this. confessing? <laughs> oh, We're man. rolling. This is live. I'm back at summer camp having a hot dog oh, in a microwave. No, oh, what have we I done? Will, in a pinch, have I got to get out the door? That has to be a real will, pinch. <laughs> I'd rather be hungry. Am I the only one who still has a foreman, George Foreman? I mean, you might be. I'll throw, I'll throw the bacon on the foreman. It's really? a lot. It's a lot cleaner. It's yeah, a clean process. On down, yeah. But if it, it becomes something that you want to really put it together, have some good bacon, you put it on the pan, and you wear the grease burns. Oh, you wear the pops. Absolutely, you do. Right on the right. forearm, they're popping up. Yeah. Can't you wear just a good flip shirt. them. And you're like, all right, let's go. What was it about the foreman? The marketing there was unbelievable. I remember we yeah. were in college. Everybody had a. Foreman. We had no. We didn't have money to pay our cable bill, yeah. but we bought, went out and bought a foreman grill. I even got the second edition Mac Daddy foreman oh, grill yeah. back in the day, where you could get four to five burgers. On Man, there. We were yeah. all conned. It's still popping. Mine's still popping. It was supposed to be Hulk Hogan. It was supposed to be Hulk Hogan who got that, wow. and he turned it down. He says it's the biggest mistake of his life. Dumbass. He turned it down. Nobody ever accused him of being smart. Brother. Yeah, that wasn't real smart. <laughs> Good. Uh, so anyhow, I would say, I, Tom, to your point, by the way, and we'll move on here, there is a pan I bought off of Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You can see I was twenty first tar- century. Look, at I him. was targeted, and I fell prey to their target. I went, "Oh yeah, that looks good." <laughs> so that. yeah, it's a giant pan that has the grooves like the Foreman grill. Oh yeah, and so it's very easy. You just take the big uh, spatula there. You're like, you're good to go, just like that. You don't have to worry about it. It just funnels it all out. I like it. It's a good pan. Serious question. Oh, I already read that one. This question, born of the wildly popular JCS from Roger. Worst school paddling you have ever ever received. We grew up in that era. Tom didn't. Tom did not grow up in an era where paddling's occurred in school, correct? That's People, correct. No. Teachers getting arrested when Tom was a kid for That's paddling. right. Like, That's kids right. could hit teachers, but teachers couldn't hit kids. Uh, for me, high school football coach for throwing a Frisbee in the gym when I was supposed to be lifting. Damn. I think you're older than us, Roger. That's back in the day where football coaches could beat children. That's crazy. Uh, shout out to uh, Brother Charlie, who's recovering from a broken back, suffered 17 days wow. ago. Uh, get better, Charlie. Yeah, get better. Uh, no, I had the. I, I admitted to the paddling that I got uh, from the school principal at uh, Bay Point Middle back in the day. So we had in, in – Oh, in the mean streets of Miami, you probably did. You, well, could, you could get shanked. The worst thing was, in, in elementary school, like in fifth and sixth grade, we played kill the man with the ball, whatever you want to call it at yeah, the yeah. time. And uh, we would play – Kill the carrier? Yeah, and we would play. We would uh, play it out inside, like basically on the field next to PE, mm-hmm. and we kept getting busted. Like the, the teachers and principals, they, they did not tackling. like us playing that game. So in in response, we went and played right in the patch of grass outside the principal's office. 
to let him know we were <laughs> not going to be stopped. We will not from, be bullied from blooding each other. That's <laughs> right. Playing this game, this aggression. And, uh, yeah, we all got paddled, like every one of us. That like was, just a one whack, or was it a three whack? I think it was. One, I think it was one. But it, Mr. I, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing in school with a three whacker, sir. No, sir. <laughs> the one with the uh, where they have the holes in oh, the yeah, paddle. Oh yeah, the holes in the paddle. That's oh, what I had. Man, the holes in the paddle. You can hear the whoosh coming. Never know you went to Catholic school. Sorry. Oh, a bump. Uh, hello, men of sausage with reverb and echo. I was listening to the smash and heard Michael discuss that there really seems to be no deadline that's going to be enforceable for kids to enter the portal. Do you guys expect to see more current FSU players enter the portal? I yeah, yeah, I don't know that that's true. I mean, there is a waiver process, but I think the waivers are not going to be just thrown out. Well, who knows, man? Yeah. It's 2022. <laughs> yeah, nothing exists. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see. But there is a waiver process. But the other the other factor in it um, for guys who aren't in the por- portal as of this week that maybe could still go in is if a guy graduates, because the the that, that May 1st deadline is for one-time transfer policy exceptions. The the old transfer, if you're a grad transfer, still exists. That never changed. And those players, if they graduate this summer, they could enter the portal this summer and go play somewhere this fall. That Got it. so that that's still an option as well. And there is a waiver process. I don't think it's going to be wide open, but could change. Who knows? Burke writes: We had two first team All ACC players last year. Will we have more than that this year? Mm, oh, I mean, that's a assume, good number, right. man. That's a good yes, over-under. Yes. Well, you, because Tatum Bethune, I think, has a chance whoa, to be. Whoa, I, I do. Think I think him. he's going to be okay. fantastic. You're thinking love it? You're thinking, thinking love, love it. it. Maybe Cooper as well. Jamie Robinson so could you repeat. One of those two, Jamie Robinson. Benson could be. Benson Trent could be Robinson. that guy. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go over I think the number. If we were doing because Benson, you bring Jamie, two and a half, if you didn't bring Jamie back, I would say because it's man. Once you've been first team, yeah, it's easier. He, he's going to have lazy. ninety tackles again. He's yeah. going to be first team. Marion Cooper's got a shot. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. And I think Tatum Bethune has a shot. It's not first team All American. It's just ACC. First Possible. team. Will so, we have I'd more than two? I'd go over. I wouldn't go under. No, I think I, to lose the bet, you know, you'd have to have only one, and I think you're right. Yeah, I, I would go over here. Uh, probably get my money back because it'll be two. That's fine. Uh, Heath writes, for Ira, dad is from New York, grew up in Florida. Why the hell would you torture yourself with being an Orioles fan? And just in case Jeff forgot, mine and Corey's Braves are the champions of the world. Indeed, Heath. Well, I did want to give – I'm a little disappointed Corey's not here – because I wanted to talk to him about the Hawks and the Heat. My Heat. My beloved I'm Heat. Your beloved you guys, Heat. <laughs> you guys, you see me with my Heat yeah, jersey all, all the time. All the time, yeah. <laughs> Repping, popping. My, my throwback Cycli yeah. jersey. Um, <laughs> Guts and gory. But uh, no, man, Ronnie I just – I mean, look, man, when I was a kid, I, I was born in Baltimore. So when I moved to South Florida as a kid – being an Orioles fan in the seven, everybody oh, wanted to be an Orioles fan. Unless, of course, you were a Pirates fan well, and you were steady beating the so, Orioles in the World <laughs> Series. Just saying, just saying. So it was a good thing to be an Orioles fan back in those days. And the Marlins didn't exist. And I'm not a fan. Well, I'm, before my heat, which I've adopted the last couple of years, yes. I've never been a fan of any Miami team. So Orioles is where it's at. It's sometime, it's someday Peter Angelos is going to sell the team and uh, oh, well, brighter days ahead. I really – I don't know why, and this is odd because it's legitimately true. It's not for show purposes at all. I have wanted you to come around and cross over and say, I am a Miami Dolphins fan. I wish you would do it almost in, in just honor of your childhood. Like to cross back over and say, I'm going to root for the Dolphins because the but, Colts abandoned you. They went to Indianapolis. You can't root for anything in Indianapolis. Just I've, be the Dolphins fan that you want to be. But I've root. I, it would be like turning on ten year old Ira. 
Like I've rooted against the Dolphins my entire existence. Yeah, but you're you're a wildly more mature, experienced, confident man that can boldly <laughs> can go into that fandom. Can't betray young Ira. Damn. Why not? Why not the Ravens? You know, here's the thing. So a lot of my be family, the Silver Raven. So here's what happened. My family. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the Silver Raven. Yeah, that's pretty good. My uh, my family up there who still lives in Baltimore, they did. Like, they would not go with the Colts when they went to Indianapolis. Yeah. But I lived in South Florida. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to ride with the Colts. So I stuck with the Colts when they went to Indianapolis. And then at that point, when the Ravens came back, I was like, what do I do? Stuck with the Colts. Then finally gave up on them at some point because it was just, I'm rooting for a team in Indianapolis. Deep down, you're rooting for the Dolphins. It's all right, man. You should do it. Uh, Fellas, it was a banner weekend for the chastity belts, defenders of the meat. Listening to Corey poo-poo the excitement and accomplishment that is a run to Omaha last week and besmirch meat and the boys after he witnessed the Braves win it all just six months ago after an 88-win regular season had me stupefied. But then I remembered he was too cowardly to watch a Braves postseason <laughs> game, <laughs> and it all made more sense. Number 11 in the RPI for that ass, boys. That's not a question. It's just an observation, but yeah. it's a good observation. Who was that was from Stevens, who uh, uh, is like just over out. under ten and a half minutes for Steven to compose that whole thing. I'm gonna go with over. <laughs> That's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Matt wants to know percent chance we win a regional. I go seventy percent. Seems like pitching is starting to round into form. Yeah, I think if they host yeah. a regional, I, I think, think they're going to win a regional. 75 yeah, I like them 75 to win. My cop out answer every year: they got a better chance to win a super than a regional. So then, so, here, so sixty for a regional and, and seventy for a super. How about that? But who do you start in the first game? So if you're hosting and you're a one seed, who are you starting in the first game? Not Parker Messer. No. So what yeah. do you? Who do you feel great about in an opening game against a decent? You know, you might have a decent four or a four that's got a decent s- starter. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Hubbard's been there's uneven a, enough. You might yeah, want to just throw him on Friday and be done a, with it. There's a lot of baseball to be played out. We got a lot all of right. baseball. Let's see what happens here. Uh, Robert wants to know where does Parker Messick rank all time as a Seminoles pitcher? Man, there have been so many good pitchers. Imagine if he was here. on a great team. Yeah, a dominant team. Like if he was on one of those teams, those 90s he'd teams, he'd be up there. Oh man, with anybody. he'd never lose. Plus the yeah, exactly. If he had a real offense, yeah, and the the way he carries it. Imagine if he if he was around like a bunch of studs. Yeah. Like how how would he carry himself at that point? No. I mean, he'd just be like, I wonder if he asked that in the clubhouse. <laughs> if you Damn. guys weren't a bunch of slappies, how much better would I be? Because look at how great I am, anyhow. But you guys are calling a half ass, except for you, Tibbs. You're a beast. Yeah, Tibbs, yeah. Is a, that kid is for real, real. That's the way he carries himself on the field. They're like, oh, you don't belong on the same field as me. <laughs> huh? You're kind of right in a few instances there. Yeah, man. no, he's 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 awesome. Uh, Matthew writes, Jeff, please tell Ira. We'll get to the Twitter questions in a moment. Mm. I was all Twitter for much of this second hour, just so you know. This I, I kind of circled back. I felt bad for our Facebookers. Uh, in the meantime, what is the most likely first step in reforming college sports in the NIL era, and who takes that step? Is it a school or a conference? The NCAA as an institution? No. The answer is no to that <laughs> no. last part. No. The TV networks? Yes. The answer is yes to TV networks. Or an entirely new entity? What, who would that be? What? what? Elon Musk, will there be a coalition to push reform within the NCAA, or will a whole new governing body that exists outside of the current framework be proposed? Feels like the first step will be the hardest if any meaningful change is to come. Yeah, Elon Musk take buying college football might there be the answer. Go. There uh, it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the the with you know with the ACC joining their alliance, which hasn't been a whole lot of anything so far, but being kind of it's partnered with the, name. partnered with the Big Ten and the Pac-12, having some sort of feeling there then that that you would 
I think what you have to hope is that that power structure works with the TV people to say, look, we have to do something. This is, this is not sustainable. There has to, we have to come up with something that will benefit all of us. And, but then they have to explain to the sec and also the big 10 why it benefits them because just doing it to save the sport and save these other 50 that teams, level of I don't altruism know, I don't know to if that's going to work, but they've yeah. got to figure out a way to make it better for them. And that's it's more profitable. Yeah. And that's that going to be long term. It gives you a chance to remain wildly successful and rich in the short term. You'll be making more money the way you're doing it. But 30 years from now, you will not when the sport is irrelevant and hope you can make a compelling case. Yeah. Who picks up the phone? You know, like who makes everybody pick up the phone would be my question. It's the TV networks. Right. You know, a conference commissioner, somebody, somebody's like, ah, I'm sending that to voicemail. But if, if a TV network executive, somebody who can swing in the room, mm-hmm. if he calls you, you're picking up the phone. And, so and that's got to be the person to start the conversation. And to David Hale's point, that is that, you know, that the grant of rights does seem forever away, especially when you're bleeding money compared to these other conferences. But it's not that far away. And we're getting closer and closer to a time where somebody would eat it if they wanted you. And you, and you right. could get to that point where yeah. you can make it happen. So, yeah, man, I still think, I don't know, and, you know, when Swarbrick made his comments last week or a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. saying that maybe within a decade or 12 years or something, and I, I think it's five. I mean, I think I think within five kinda years. It kind of has to be, doesn't it? Yeah, and that, I, I don't think that's just wishful thinking. I think something will be happening within these next five years. The most important question that has to be answered for the SEC to say yes or the Big Ten to sign on truly, to sign on for the good of their own selves, is how many teams are necessary for us to make even more money? So like, what's the cutoff point? Is it 32? Is it 50? Is it it a full 60? I just like that we're first up. I like that we're one of the five to seven teams that would be first up because it makes total sense that we would be anyhow. First of all, from the region, the cachet of the program, the money making, the merchandise, everything. Like Florida State would be along with Clemson and a few others, maybe one other in this conference, Miami, maybe. If you were investing long term in stocks, if you were if you were impartial to this right now, but you had to if you had to invest long term, this can't be a quick turnaround. You know, you're flipping yeah, the stock. Yeah, yeah. Would you buy stock in some of these SEC schools that are getting the checks now, like Bandy? And or, or or some of these Big Ten schools like Purdue or whatever, or would you invest in a Florida, Florida State, State who could be in that next? Because some of those schools are going to get cut. Oh yeah, they're they're left out. These next ten years, you'd rather be them. But over the next twenty years, would you still rather be Florida State, or would you still rather be them? Yeah, I'd rather be Florida State even over Clemson, because Florida State still rates with an under five hundred record and a bad program and in, in, in standing wise, and yet they play Notre Dame and it's one of the highest rated games that ESPN puts on right. TV the whole year. People, so, people. There is a respect for Florida State, whether sometimes we realize it or not. Well, when you have the all-time winningest yeah. coach, you have three national championships, one relatively recent in 2013. You've got obviously the spear resonates with people. Right. For I mean, I'm a college football fan, so if I remove Florida State and I just think of uh, symbols of the sport, I think of OU, I think of Texas, I think of Southern Cal, I think of Alabama, I think of Florida State. I you're, think of, you're, yeah. you're Coke or Pepsi, or they're that kind of a brand. Yeah. yeah, think about okay, the Sunday night game against LSU. That's a down LSU program who's in transition. Florida State's been irrelevant for five years. I'm just talking about from the national yeah. perspective. And I know it's the only game in town that night. It's, but it's going to put up a it's massive number. Yes, huge, yeah. huge numbers. It, but you can't dismiss it as the only game in town. There's a reason it's the only. The reason right. they're putting it right. in that. In that time, but put Vandy in that spot. Right. I mean, it's going to do nothing. All right, we, yeah, well, definitely it's going to do nothing. Uh, <laughs> Nate writes, and we got to go to break after this. It's a short one. Uh, Jeff, would you rather have an all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii or guaranteed national championship for FSU baseball? Oh, that's easy. FSU baseball win in Omaha. Yeah, yeah, well, you all, got Cameron kind of money. That's an easy day. question. He goes to Hawaii every <laughs> other month. <laughs> 
Seminole Lines 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV continuing in a moment. Seminole Headlines is brought to you by Register Sausage, serving the Florida Panhandle and Lower Alabama for over 75 years. To find a store near you or to buy directly from Registers, head to registermeats.com. That's registermeats.com. Seminole Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chauffel, and Corey Clark. Ryan writes, hey guys, I wanted to wait until the offseason to ask this, but last fall, P.K. Sam and Travis Johnson got into an online fight. I believe that marks 20 straight years of that team fighting publicly with one another. <laughs> were those were those Rick's era teams the most dysfunctional you ever covered? Any crazy memories you can share of those teams? Well, I covered them, you covered them. Yeah, they weren't. Uh, fans of one another in a lot of ways. They're, they were definitely segmented. That's when we uh, lost access to the locker room. Yeah, in the uh, you know, Coach Bowden, a lot of you know back in the day, a lot of locker rooms were open. Then it kind of less and less. There were very few still open in the early two thousands. But Florida State was one of them. And uh, Coach Bowden just always had a policy. We we would wait ten minutes till they got you know either showered or changed, and then we could come in the locker room. They, literally, the door would open up, and we would all just funnel in. And, yeah, and you go to the lockers of whoever whatever players you want to talk to, and uh, interview them. There may and, have been a fight that yeah, erupted that, in front the, of the press. The, after the Notre Dame game, yeah. we were walking in, and things are flying, and dudes are being held back, and a lot of uh, defensive linemen were going after uh, one Chris Rick. So it was uh, an interesting time, and then shortly after that, we were no longer invited to the uh, post-game locker room. It's the same season that they did the season, right. in which they took the ep- excerpt from me yes. ripping. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was interesting. That was, yeah, it was a, a lot of reasons to shut out the media at that point. Is <laughs> that was, what he decided. It was a tough time, but uh, go ahead. I was going to say so. Two things: number one, never let a third party do a season with or the season because it always ends badly. But yep. number two, who opened the door? Somebody just was like, "Okay, come on in." Well, it was they almost, I don't think they realized that it was about to go down. Coach Bowden had just talked, and they were you know they were done with that, and then they're coming over to open the door. And I think there were some words being exchanged simultaneously. And then as soon as the door opens up, we see dudes flying. It was it was uh, it was crazy. But um, I, there was on that note, there was actually I was going to bring this up. There, uh, one of our uh, War Chance subscribers, BC Knowles sixteen, posted a question on the Tribal Council, and it was a very similar question. He said uh, he was thinking about a story Jeff told a few years back about Greg Jones whipping Darnell Dockett in a fight. What are your favorite behind the scenes stories for FSU sports? That was a uh, that was that was not in the locker room. I think that was like at lunch. Yeah, that's or a, that was a that's an ugly deal. Greg Jones was related to Ken Norton, the boxer right. that oh, fought wow. Ali. You don't want to fight Greg Jones <laughs> for for a lot of reasons. I, I, just he, seeing Greg Jones, yeah, yeah, you know, that. Although Dockett was obviously a bad man too. Yeah, well, but uh, yeah, man, when you when you take out a guy like Dockett, your your credibility you got a little something to you. <laughs> there's, there's you got a little something to you if you're taking out Darnell. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> there was uh, another. Fight back in the day, I, I know there was one. Buster Buster Davis hit somebody. They were doing thud, and Buster Davis went after somebody low. It might have been Greg Jones. That might have been Greg Jones too. Well, in once fact, again, and it did not go well. The next thing you know, Greg Jones is on top of him. Yeah, it was right after because Greg had come back from the ACL. Yeah, and he thought and Buster hit him low. Can't hit him low for a lot of reasons, and you yeah. definitely can't hit a man low who's recovering from an ACL and he's a running back trying to get paid. That that yeah. can't happen. Yeah, Greg was always a guy that you kind of just by a lot of times uh, you can't read a book by the cover, but with Greg you could. <laughs> you looked at Greg, you're like he doesn't look like he can't fight. I'm gonna leave this alone. <laughs> 
In my generation, that was Nick Moody. Nick Moody oh, was not to be trifled with, man. Nobody wanted to trifle yeah. with me. Here's the thing about Nick Moody. I'm 20 years older than Nick Moody. We interviewed him. Uh, Tim Linnefelt and I went over to uh, one Nigel Bradham's camp in Wakulla one Another summer. Another guy you don't want to fight. No, uh, correct. <laughs> but it was his summer camp, and Nick Moody was there. He was out of the NFL, but he came back, and he was helping out at Nigel's camp. And when you talk to Nick Moody, you just feel like at any moment somebody could get hurt. Yes. Like there's <laughs> Yeah, there's a feeling. It's it's on. Okay. So my first foray on the beat was uh, that particular 2010 and I remember somebody asked a question about I think it was playing Madden or NCAA football because the video game still existed and Terrence Parks offered up that he and Moody play all the time and they have a great time with it. And then Nick was the next one to come out. It was uh, in the Moore Center by all the trophies. And then that same person asked Nick, he's like, so I heard you guys play NCAA, like, you know, you have some good games. And he goes, and? And it was like, ooh. Okay, well, all right. No small talk <laughs> that, that's here. It. That's there it. There was one the other end. question, and we were done. The breakout was over. I think, you know, Reggie Northrup has now transitioned. to he's still playing USL, but he's doing the MMA stuff. Yeah, and have you seen Cigarette it? in his mouth. Have you seen any of the videos of him in MMA? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, Nick Moody, to me. I would if he, if he had gotten involved in MMA, you would have been like, yeah, yeah. that yeah. makes sense. Tracks. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the dude's asking the question. He's he's chummy, and and he goes, and <laughs> and I'm gonna go speak to so and so. That's the end of this. Yeah, Steve writes, gentlemen, Gene Deckeroff will be speaking to the Capital Tiger Bay Club. If you could ask him a question, what would you ask? Would that question be different if it were just between you four? Well, Gene's been an open book and, and 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 really receptive to conversation and questions and and experiences uh, since I got into the business. He's obviously been doing it a lot longer than than I have, and uh, we we certainly praised him in the sense that when he announced his retirement, it's like good for you, Gene. You did it the right way for a long time, and you're a legend. I think I've asked him everything I've ever wanted to ask him. I don't know that I have anything specific to this question. I think that forum lends t- tends to lend itself to people saying things. Or taking shots. I mean, it's just it's it's supposed to be a place where people are very candid. Um, so maybe people will try to get him to say something that, yeah, like, when he saw something. saw something like Jimbo or Bowden. Like, did you really not like Jimbo, or did you really, you know, is there something? He's not going to give that. And I wouldn't imagine he's not going to give that up. Yeah. I don't know if there's ever been a person Gene didn't like. Right. I mean, he just likes everybody. He gives everybody the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody he didn't like, but he gives everybody the benefit of the doubt and then some. So I don't know. I don't know what it would be. I would probably ask, to be honest with you, I would probably ask him more of a Tampa Bay Buccaneers-related question, like a John Gruden question. Is it behind the curtain? I'd ask him to play the game that he played one day at the uh, baseball press box that I was just in stitches because he was talking, I forget who it was, to somebody else, and they were going oh, back and forth. Oh, the, the name of On the names player. of players oh, that yeah, are like, I know, you know what the name raunchy, of the play- yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like one of them, I'll share one of them, he goes, Dick Pole. And then he yeah. just starts laughing. And the <laughs> yeah. other guy starts, and they go back and forth yeah. on, on great names. I, I'd say, Gene, can we play that game, please? I know the name that he named and that we wouldn't be we able can't, we, we cannot, cannot use it here. No. no, but that was a name of a real player. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, Gene was funny that way, but he. Um, he seemingly liked everybody or likes everybody, and so I don't I don't know that there's anything to ask. Rusty him. is the first name of the person. That's go right. ahead. Rusty is the first go name. Go Google it. Yeah, yeah. If we're going to not go further than that. Uh, let's get to another question. Hello, Jeff, Pot Pie, and G.I. Jane. Last week, Ira was trying to talk about how a lack of return on investment would eventually self-correct the NIL landscape. However, how is the current situation much different from the last 50 years of boosters investing tens of thousands to millions in programs in the form of buying players under the table with little or no payoff, but continuing the payouts seemingly endlessly? Thanks, Jimmy. The difference, I would say, and I said this in the early, yeah. in the first hour, is that it's the the the, bre- the depth of the of the 
the money and payments is going to be so much more widespread and so much bigger in terms of volume. Because again, I would say, and I'm, you know, man, in in, the, in an SEC team, in, in in a corrupt SEC team that would bag <laughs> men's that are around every corner, I wouldn't. I I would think maybe 10, 15 guys were getting large payments. There might have been more getting some money, but maybe 10 guys are getting large, 10 to 15 guys, large payments. Now, I think you're going to see, I don't know, 50, 60. I mean, it's just, so that, to me, that part of it, there's still, the, the money's not infinite, and you could just select it on a select few, put it on a select few. Now, it's going to have to be really wide. Come back, wrap it up momentarily. Similar headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, headliners and elite headliners, it's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. Seminal Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for Warchant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. All right, wrapping it up on uh, Seminal Headlines. A few more headliner questions before we uh, take off for the day. Uh, so this one comes from Squin67. Or maybe uh, S-Quin. S-Quin67. <laughs> or Squin. Or Squin. <laughs> Writes, yay, sausage. Great weekend on the diamond for the Knowles. It's better to be hot going into the postseason than it is hot at the beginning of the season. My football question for you, though, who are the five current FSU offensive players with the highest draft potential? Oof. Boy, five, huh? Got to grab five? I mean. That's a toughie. Are we talking about for this coming year or in the program? Down the line. I think he's saying just uh, are there offensive players – I mean, I, I don't know a five that I would identify is, just yet, but uh, Benson, let's go with Benson being a, a player that has the potential right. for a high draft grade offensively. Is Micah Pittman, I mean, no matter what he does, how productive would Micah Pittman at his size have to be to get drafted? I think pedigree will help push him into that's the middle true. rounds too. NFL teams love that when they know that you know what the NFL is all about. So that's two. He plays bigger than he is, so all that stuff. But he is really undersized, so th that'll hurt him. Um, that's two. Definitely no tight ends. Um, John, Johnny Wilson, if he starts catching the football, from a measurable standpoint, he's going to jump out. But I was looking for that wince. You got that wince, Ira, right away. 
You know what? Here's the thing, Tom. <laughs> and Tom, you you can back me up I here. I can, I can. There have, there were a couple of days where mm. Jeff Cameron was not in attendance because he had other things, other yeah. obligations. Yeah. Being a good dad. Yeah, that kind of all those things. College yeah. sports book. Yep. Where Johnny Wilson looked better than he did the days. Some yep. of the days, and you guys right? immediately lamented. You were like, oh, and Cameron's not even here to yep. see it. Because yes. every day I was there, he wasn't any good at all. <laughs> it was like a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's looking away. Uh, Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really was. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. There's, uh, I guess, potentially any of the young offensive Ooh. linemen, maybe. I mean, mm. we haven't seen Julian mm. Armella yet. Yeah. Possibly. Well, it's hard to come up with five now. It, it, I mean, let's be fair. Part uh, of the exercise here, yeah. A.J. Duffy. Based on what we've seen <laughs> – now, maybe Sam McCall or Azaria Thomas, when they start playing oh, both yeah. ways, yep. maybe one of those guys. I mean, it's you can't. the problem is you can't get to five. If boy, we're being boy. reasonable here, what an exercise this is. <laughs> to get to five. It's, there, there's, we need, TBA. It's TBA, Jeff. Obviously. It's TBA. Yeah. There's some complimentary pieces. <laughs> oh, nice. Like, Way to bring it full Drafted circle. to ACC Network because Dylan Gibbons is already trying very hard in auditioning for the TV gig. He's, yeah. he's ready to he go. Get it. He's good at it, actually. Yeah, he could he could do it. He's already refining his technique. We, uh, we can't get a five right now. We can't get a five that we, we feel strongly about will be drafted. How sobering. Donnie writes, speaking of NIL, if you were some corn-fed offensive lineman, would you rather be slanging some Robert Scott? No. No, no, no. In a couple of years, maybe. As a guard, maybe. Maybe as a guard. Late, late, late round. I'm going to keep, I'm <laughs> late, keep, late, throw, late. I'm gonna keep throwing names at you <laughs> as we continue. Yeah, late round. What you know about Bless Harris? <laughs> uh, well, maybe. Uh, speaking of NIL, if you were a corn-fed offensive lineman, would you rather be slanging some smoked sausage or some crappy health care app? Ben, just pay them an and we. Ben, make it happen. Come ben, on, Ben. Ben could be our uh, our Ruiz, our life wallet. Life wallet. The uh, yeah, getting get it done. Uh, that's it's a toughie. R. A. Right, gentlemen. Do you think the FSU press room will have the Corey Clark question to Norvell on a plaque similar to the Tebow plaque after FSU wins the twenty twenty five college football playoff? And will Ira tell ESPN that he originally was going to fire Corey after that question <laughs> when the thirty for thirty comes out? That's good. That's a a fair question. You will never see. You will never see. You got to get more breathy. Speaking of which, and I'm not going to go too far into details, but you know, one one of my my oldest just graduated from that school, and uh, he was the commencement speaker. And so there was a good. Was he breathy? There was a lot of conversation in the family afterwards about uh, our feelings about Tim Tebow. So that was. uh, But I keep coming back to he's done a lot of good things in the world. Mm. He's done a lot of good things. He's done some good things. He's done some good good charitable things. He didn't hit for power. Thanks for uh, filling in for Corey Clark, uh, Tom. Good work out of Ira. Thanks, Director Matthew. Thanks to all of you. We'll talk to you next time. Be well, everybody. Get better, Corey.